Welcome to the Safe Topics Podcast. I am not your usual host today. My name is Kelly Barnett. I'm an intern for the podcast. Typically, I work behind the scenes as the audio engineer, producer, and editor. I'm also a student at Miracosta College in Oceanside in the music technology department. The topic of today's interview is still universal design for learning. I'll be talking with another student from Miracosta. Let's take a listen. Hi, my name is Haley Hill. I'm technically a theater major, um, and I'm still super new at Costa. This is only my third semester, but I've bounced around from many community colleges. I just moved to San Diego like a year and a half ago. I am a theater major, but I'm still kind of figuring out if that is what I want to do. And do you have any transfer plans? I don't have a plan plan, but like, I do think I want to transfer somewhere. I don't know. And do you have any goals? Um, like education goals or career goals? I don't know. I mean, I thought originally I wanted to teach theater. Uh, I used to like be an assistant teacher and I used to teach like preschool classes for like drama and like dance and singing and all that kind of stuff. So like, that's kind of what I thought originally, but I'm still not entirely sure. Super cool. Okay. Why don't you tell me about how you're feeling right now? Maybe like how Miracosta was going at first and then now with the pandemic, it's how it switched to Zoom. Well, I kind of feel bad because I like besides feeling anxious about just the world itself, I'm okay with the switch of online and hybrid, like not even hybrid learning, but I was in an online class right when COVID hit. So nothing really changed except I couldn't go to do like see live performances or like that kind of stuff that was required for my class. But other than that, I've been still, I kind of find it the same as before. Yeah. Something a teacher has done that has made learning challenging. See, I couldn't, I had a hard time thinking about that. I couldn't necessarily think of an exact thing that a teacher's done that made life more challenging because a lot of the things I feel like I struggle with academically is more uh, like it's internalized. It's more of like based on me. And because I feel like when you become a teacher or a professor, or whatever, you know, ethically, you're not going to want to make life difficult on your students. So I couldn't, I don't, nothing really came to mind. I'm especially because I feel like a lot of the things I don't like, like I don't like, nobody really likes group projects, but like that's something you're going to need to do to just be a student, you know? To what is grow. it about group projects? <sighs> There's, well, for me, per, I'm more of an anxious person. So it's like group projects for me, like I feel like the world's ending. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to talk to people. I need to collaborate. I am more, I definitely am more of an independent worker I feel like. Do you think it would have helped if we had that earlier on? Because I feel like in college you're expected to do group projects but like growing up we didn't have to really do a lot of group projects. Yes just sorry (laughs) yeah I do think that I think that 
if there was more collaboration, that might have been better. I also think it's hard to collaborate, especially now because of Zoom and everything. But before it was harder to collaborate because when you're in high school, you know, you see these kids because we're all still kids Mm -hmm. every single day for 12 hours or not even not 12, like six hours a day with adults, like I could only see this person once a week. And like, we both have our own separate lives and our own separate schedule. So it's harder to collaborate. But I also think that just might be me making up an excuse of why (laughs) collaborating group projects are bad. I don't think they are. It's just, I'm anxious all the time. Yeah, I hear you. All right. So let's do the reverse of that then. So we'll talk about Uh, like what a teacher has done that's made learning easy. mm -hmm. Well, one thing that I think a teacher, teachers have done, it's not even just one, a lot of professors at Maricosta so far have been really on it with communication, which I feel like is so helpful now, Uh, especially because I think For me, at least, when I get overwhelmed and anxious, I kind of like withdraw from everything, even if that means like academically. So it's like a ton of like people, like a ton of professors have been super communicative, have communicated well, and will be the first ones to reach out and be like, hey, do you have any questions? Or hey, don't forget, like, even if it's to everybody, I just feel like, oh, they're, once they open the line of communication, it's easier to reach out, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's see. And I was thinking too, like being able to turn in assignments early and then learn what your mistakes are and then be able to resubmit it for a new grade. Yes. It, I will say because I, I don't know, I'm sure other people like to just turn in things early uh, because I am like so wound up tight. I just to make myself feel better. I, and because I work independently, <laughs> or I tend to, I love to do like work ahead. I like to work ahead. I like to turn in next week's assignment just so I feel like I'm on track. And when teachers or professors Sometimes it like irritates me when it's like, no, you have to follow the specific, like there's a lock on the modules and I'm just like, okay, I guess. But with our piano class, it's so like, I love the fact that we've done all of our assignments early and in class together. So it's not as intimidating. And it's like, we've been doing all this stuff and we also turn it in like three weeks before it's due, just... So it's not scary, I guess. Yeah. I also like how also with that, we know our grade, like we know exactly where we stand because she grades stuff pretty much within 24 hours of you turning it in. Because some Mm -hmm. teachers take forever to grade and you don't know where you stand. I am. Yes, I am currently dealing with that right now. I turned in like an assignment three weeks ago and I'm like, which I, it's not fair to be like, hurry up, but because they're busy. But yes, I love being able to see my grade within like a week or something. I also love Canvas being able to just see everything. Have you used anything besides Canvas? No, actually, which is probably why I found it so easy. But 
I've like had a couple of friends who aren't at Maricosta who are at like SDSU or other colleges where they have like, I don't even know what they have. I was just like, oh, well, I have Canvas and it's so easy to navigate. And, but I could just be so used to it. Are there any other things you can think of that a teacher's done that made learning easier? I do find it pers- like personally, I love it when it's kind of like you have when you have your like assigned reading or whatever, but there's also like a recorded lecture as well. So it's like you can hear what they're saying and get the gist or whatever, and you're still kind of having that normal kind of lecture setting, but then you can also follow along easier with the reading and stuff like that. It's like, okay, I will, I, with other classes too, I think video lectures are amazing because then it's like when in person or in a brick and mortar kind of setting, if you miss a lecture, you miss a lecture, you you know, if they record it and post it online, you can always have something to go back to, which I think has made life so much easier. Agreed. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then also on Canvas, having all of the notes, mm-hmm. like, so everyone's following the same thing rather than everyone taking their own notes and you can just kind of yes. sit and listen. Mm-hmm. So do you have any thoughts on like accessibility or do you know what, um, what the disability office is at all? I, I know of it. I uh, am definitely too scared to go in or too scared to reach out because I, I wouldn't necessarily say I ha- like have a disability or anything, but I am definitely more of an anxious person. And I, de- like I deal with anxiety, which does definitely affect the way, you know, like I don't reach out to like professors if I need help or I don't do that, which I know is bad. And I know like the fact that I'm not like, I don't like look at any real student resources, which is not good, but to answer like to make a long story short, I know of it. I don't know necessarily what they would, if they would be able to help me or anything. Is there anything like a teacher could do that would make it seem not as scary (laughs) to go out to the office? I don't know if there's anything a teacher could do to make it less scary to reach out because you know each each person's different and I think like part of like even thinking about that now I'm kind of like oh but they already like they already deal with so much and they're already so busy and it's just like I don't want to add on more responsibilities but it is different for everybody and I feel like if no, I, I feel like for me personally, it's just me. <laughs> I am I am like the root of all of all the issues. <laughs> but I do think like like I said earlier, communication or I vibe well with like super casual teachers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when they are super transparent and kind of not necessarily treat you like equals in the beginning, but if they're kind of just like, Hey, like you're you and I am me and they are very open in the beginning. I have more confidence in reaching out to them being like, Hey, like, this is what's going on. Can I have an extension or I need to drop your class or whatever. 
but like I've had other teachers where they'd be like, you know what, like, it's okay if you fail, like, or it's okay if I had one professor one time sit, like, go off about how when he first started college, he did awful. And so that's why he wishes he had just reached out more and he told this whole story and I'm like, oh, well, maybe now that I know you sucked, <laughs> I can come and tell you my, like, it, my problems. Uh-huh. So, like, talk to someone at the disability office and be like, hey, this is what, what I need. Uh-huh. And that they facilitate that with you. Like, that's a good thing, like, to use those yeah. services. That's why they're there. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that logically. That's... Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know that logically, emotionally, that's like, uh, the other kind of, that's the, uh, another story, but I, it made me feel better knowing kind of more of like, or I might not be answering questions, but at least now I feel like even if my whole segment or my, all my answers are kind of just like a waste of time, I feel like at least like some educators know how other, some other students feel. Like, I'm not really resolving any issues. I'm just an example, I guess. Exactly. I love it. Is there anything else you wanted to add? I I don't know. I think, because basically part of me would be like, if I had to be preachy or if I had to get on a soapbox and say anything, I think, which kind of seems silly to be like, don't forget, like your students have feelings. But I mean... <laughs> A lot of people do go through many different things, but I don't necessarily want to preach that because I feel like, duh, like, yeah, I think professors realize that people are going through certain things. So I don't know, keep that in mind that everybody deals with different, different things differently. And that's it. Yeah. If they didn't realize it before 2020 is happening. (laughs) If they didn't realize that before, I'm so glad this random girl's coming on a podcast to tell us. (laughs) Seriously though, this, this year is just like, hopefully it has given people time to reflect on things and, and how we want to change things for the better once we get out of this. Yeah. Because I think like, I wonder how it's, how it's gonna be like, well, everybody's saying like, this is the new normal, which I totally believe in. Cause it's like, how I wonder even if things start getting back to the way it used to, like if people are still gonna wanna like live life exactly how it was before. Cause because of this, sometimes I think like, oh my gosh, like I was thinking about Halloween. I was like, we're just sending kids up to some like somewhere to just grab candy, like all the germs, all the touching, like how did we do this before? So, um, yeah, I wonder if like people are going to just rather stay on like zoom hybrid classes or if they're going to be like, nope, let's go back to school and that kind of stuff. Well, just to make it official, thank you for being on the safe topics podcast. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. So, of course, the best Save Topics episode is going to be the one where Kelly introduces it because you and I don't know what the fuck we're doing, right? We just babble, 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 babble. She's a pro, yes. We need coaching lessons for for doing these intros and outros. Yes. Like turning my email off so this thing doesn't ding. Um, (laughs) Keeping it real. Yeah. That's what people say when they're unprepared. They say, I'm just keeping it real. Right. (laughs) 
So a lot of what Haley had to say, um, what I was really responding to uh, as a teacher, right? So thinking about if, if, you know, how am I going to rethink my teaching based on, on these reactions? You know, I'm struck by the, the responsibility she's taking for herself, which, you know, it, it, there's a lot of individualism in, 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 in what she's expressing, right? And so I'm thinking of, you know, the barriers that I can control that might limit a student from accessing resources and then the barriers I just can't control. And, and I really struggle with that, right? Yeah, and I felt like it was really nice to hear a student know that as, as instructors, we're, we're juggling a lot too, and you know, offering us a lot of grace there, right? Um, was saying that, oh yeah, they're busy and I don't wanna put another thing. And, and, and in all reality, all the other work is bullshit. What we do with students, that's what matters. Totally. That's what we're here for. Yeah. And, and I wish we didn't like have the, the, the culture, and I'm, I'm so guilty of it, but you know, we embrace this culture of busyness to the point where our students realize that. And they're like, well, they seem like they're dealing with a lot too. So I don't really wanna bother them. And it's like, you're the only person I want to hear from that has an issue and I want to help you with that issue. All the other parts of my job, yes, those can be nuisances at times, but this, this is what really matters, you know? Totally. And, and that's true of grading as well, right? I, I know that we often get these mountains of, of work that we've got to get to. And oftentimes because of how busy we get, how fun the classroom space is and how, how much labor is involved in grading, we tend to not want to do that part. But, you know, clearly both Kelly and Haley said, when I get prompt feedback, when I, when, I, when I have an opportunity to try an assignment, learn how it's supposed to go or learn, you know, the material based on that feedback and have a chance to resubmit or, or to move forward, but with, with more confidence and knowledge like that, that's so beneficial, right? And so, like you said, talking to a student, helping a student access resources, that's, that's where I want to be. But I also feel like so much of our teaching is in grading. It's in that feedback, right? That, that part of our conversation with students and their learning process. And that, that's a great way to put it. I had a colleague once that called it that, you know, that, and when we hear a lot of griping about grading and, and I'm certainly um, raising my hand if, if we're asking for volunteers about that, uh, that, you know, she, she said, well, you just gotta change your mindset too. It's a, it's a conversation with your students. Yeah. And I, I think it's really important to frame it that way. And like you said, we're hearing it, we hear it, not just in the, the teaching and learning research and, and the outcomes and, and the um, findings, but also students are telling us like, when we get our work back, we know where we stand, we, we can improve upon that. And, and it's nice when it's quick, like three weeks ago, I, I don't even remember what we were doing back then. And it, it doesn't, it's not as effective. And so I think that goes back to kind of workload issues and things like that, where maybe we are uh, putting too much emphasis in some areas over the areas that'll really make a difference. Well, sure. And, and I, probably even within our own grading processes, right? Like of course. if I'm, if I'm used to giving, let's say 10 comments on an assignment for whatever reason, but it takes me three weeks to do that. Well, maybe the, be the better way to think about it is I'll just give two comments quickly and and you know as Haley said uh, uh uh do so to open up a channel of communication i over the course of the next week i can get to those next 10 comments if the student asks me a question right 
And then it's more relevant anyway, because it's part of a dialogue that the students engaged with, rather than me just assuming, because I've always done it this way, I have to tick these boxes, right? I have to do it this way, I've always done it. Um, but it, but it piles up and it's dreary. Yeah, and and that part about the student being so accountable and, and, and taking so much ownership over their struggles and issues in higher education, you know, part of it is like, well, that that's great that you're taking accountability and, and that probably helps in the immediate because there's things, decisions you can make right away that could potentially make things better. But it doesn't really speak to the structure that exists before them that they're entering and it's already there. And that's the same with our class and with the college as a whole and with higher education kind of universally. And so when they come into, you know, this is from a sociological perspective, we think about institutions and how students, they'll either come in and see what the landscape is. Okay, this is what a student does. This is what I'm gonna do. Or they take on the roles like they, they've been previously socialized in as like a high school student or how they participated in other institutions. And then they'll start doing that when they get there. And we can see those different types of behaviors um, when students come into our classroom, if they're just carrying over from high school or if they're like, this is college, I need to figure it out first and then do it. And that's why these resources are so important. Right. And I bring up that, that issue because we're mainstays in the institution. As tenured faculty members, as faculty members, as long-term uh, staff, long-term professional, uh, classified professionals, long-term administrators, we are responsible for the structure. We're responsible for how we develop the culture that they're coming into. And so I, I, I would disagree with the student and say, you know, this isn't all on you. There are things that we also have to do to make sure we're maintaining parts of our structure that are effective, but then also um, being nimble enough to make changes as needed in the sake of student equity. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And it's interesting to think too about bringing it back to what we've talked before about universal design for learning and classroom culture, right? Really thinking about the design, classroom design as cultured, right? Culturally responsive and to which culture are we responding, right? Um, makes me think about a way to distinguish learning preferences. So Haley talked about hating group work, but recognizing its value, right? Um, that being different from how she talked about having anxiety and, and knowing that there's resources that, you know, may help her with that, where, where it, when it becomes a barrier, she, she can have resources that gets her through it. Um, and so, and, and, and so the more that we as teachers can model an openness um, that encourages students who are individual, uh, 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 individualistic maybe, or just very responsible over their own learning, um, the more we can model an openness to get them to open up to, the more we can establish a shared culture, right? Uh, maybe is, a, is another way to say what you just said very well. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. But based on the couple of interviews you've heard so far with students, well, what does that make you reflect on as to what you can maybe start implementing um, in, in your next class session? Yeah. Well, so I want to. I'm really responding to Haley, I think, and then and then I can grab some other. But when she talked about curated content, and she didn't use that word, but she said if there's a reading and then a lecture recorded that goes with that, or if there's this sort of open notes space where we're not just totally working, you know, I think that gets at creating that more open uh, shared culture in a classroom, right? I don't just assign something and then 
the student assumes we're all supposed to know what to do with it. You know, I assign something with a lot of either model or explanation or supplementary material. And then the more that I can, in my, you know, in the, if I were to apply this immediately, stuff that I've used to have students do in private, if I can nudge that into more public spaces, whether it be note taking or whether it be uh, reflection writing um, or something like that, I think we, we set a, um, a precedent, right, in that classroom environment uh, to share more, to collaborate more, which, and, and then specifically, that, that might help with a uh, apprehension for group work. If we just get there slowly, not just sign it right out the gate, but just we're kind of always of doing this collaboratively. It makes sense that we would do this explicitly collaborative for whatever assignment. It makes me think it's a, it's a tough balance to strike because there's, you know, we've talked about this on previous podcasts, the idea of these like water cooler conversations, right? right? It's not a formal meeting. It's we're meeting up in the hallway with a colleague, hashing out ideas, experiences, and there's a lot to gain from that. And students do that as well, right? But if we try to kind of create um, spaces and, and, and mechanisms in our classroom to allow for that kind of thing, it, it, it could go really well and it will benefit some people. But then there's also kind of the feedback that we hear that it feels like it might be busy work or not directly tied to the grade, which is ultimately, you know, a very important thing for students. Yeah. And, and maybe like, why am I doing this if it doesn't count kind of thing, right? Um, you know, and I try to fight back with like everything you do counts, but I know what they mean. And so it, 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 I wonder like creating that space and knowing that it could be used but it may not be used as much as you would want. So maybe not force it and just allow it to be and, and not put too much pressure on yourself to make sure something's happening in that space. Does that make sense? Totally. I mean, and that, so that does make me think of other interviews where the real value was in something that just happened, right? There, there was a plan um, and then, you know, a teacher wanted to share a thing. Uh, and so shared that thing in that context and it was relevant. So, yeah. So creating that, uh, uh, the possibilities for those things to happen, right? Um, um, where we find value, we chase after that. It might might get us away from busy work, get us into more relevant um, um, activities and things like that. Right, and and I think that's the same thing we're doing here. Everything, none, none of this is required. Nobody's required to listen to it. We're not required to do it, but we're opening up space, and hopefully, hopefully, we get some we get some things going on because of it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of opening up space, Kelly, what is the best way to end a podcast? <laughs> oh, you guys are funny. <laughs> you open so, so professionally. How do we close? You close this out, Kelly, because you did a fine interview, a great intro, and don't let us muck it all up. You, you go ahead and you, you go ahead and bring us home. I feel like it was really brave of Haley to come on the podcast knowing that you know, she has anxiety, she doesn't like doing group projects, and then now she gave us all this valuable information. I don't think she was even expecting it to go so well. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to thank you guys for having the podcast, and thanks, Haley, for coming on. Right on. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks. This episode is supported by the Miracosa Foundation's Innovation Grant. The Save Topics podcast is produced and engineered by Kelly Barnett. James Garcia handles promotion, student recruitment, and research. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and savetopics.podbean.com. Find us on Apple and Spotify. Please rate and subscribe. Thanks for listening. <laughs>